Maybe a controversial subject. Would you remortgage your Fife home to help your child onto the property ladder? QVT. Okay, guys, welcome to the Midweek Property Show. Um, we're going to be talking today about would you remortgage your Fife home to help your child onto the property ladder? How far would you go to help your child get on in this world? So on today's show, we've got a uh, mortgage broker, Neil Bird from Cara Mortgages. Hi, Neil, how are you? I'm Jim, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on again. Great stuff. And we've also got a state agent, Alicia Hayes, as well, to talk about this subject. We've all got some sort of uh, input into this because we all come from that sort of mindset. Um, you know, it's it's it, it maybe I don't know if it's a controversial subject or not <laughs> to talk about this. Um, to to expect people to remortgage their homes is there an expectation to remortgage your home in order to help your children at the property ladder, or do people feel like it's a, an absolute right and they've got to have a home and a roof over their head? Um, you know, and Alicia, what's your thoughts on this? Well, as a mother, I think we're all very keen to make sure we do the absolute best for our children. Um, and if we can help with the deposit, I think most most parents would want to do that. But I think there is yeah. also a degree of fear attached to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Neil, I mean, what's your initial reaction to this sort of headline itself? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I deal with a lot of clients that want to help the kids get on the property market. Some of yep. them think that the best way to do it might be to go on the mortgage with them. But the problem is that there's obviously tax implications and mm -hmm. quite often it ends up being my recommendation rather than their initial thoughts to actually raise the money against their own current home um yeah. it's, it's the cheapest way of doing it and probably it's well in some ways the least risk as well so so mm -hmm. yeah there's uh deal with it quite a lot i mean there's many i mean you're absolutely right many five parents actually ensure, uh, move area to ensure their child gets into the best primary school or funded university costs you know, that's probably classic examples about why they would do it. Um, but many of you reading this have even helped your children with a deposit for the first time um, for their homes and saving from their savings. However, um, I've actually come across people in Fife uh, in their 50s and 60s who have good jobs, incomes, yet don't have the savings to give their children the help to buy their first home. Uh, and it doesn't help when you consider the average value of a five home has risen has risen by 18.9 percent in the last five years when is that going to end um that's another subject in itself so the average five home is 165,305 five years ago and it is now 196,492 um where, where will where will this stop neil do you think this is going to stop well, I mean, I think we we talked about this a bit last week, um, possibly with rate rises and things like that on the horizon. It might might see a wee bit of a slowdown in house price inflation. But at the end of the day, there's there's a lack of stock out there. People yeah. need to move home. Young people are having kids and starting families. They need somewhere mm -hmm. to live. And they've got to pay what they need to pay to buy the property. Yeah. £196,492 for our average five home, Alicia. 
<laughs> yeah, is, yeah, that, is that really affordable anymore? Um, well, not. I think increasingly not without help, and I think that's important. Yeah. And, but it's also important to realise that last year there was two hundred and thirty million pounds spent by family members to help their their family onto the property market. And there's also that recognition that your money in the bank is not going to earn you anything. So yeah. if you invest it in property, you can almost always be guaranteed in the long term of a good return on that. So it's not really, uh, it's not as big a risk as people think it might be. Yeah, happy to take questions of anybody when people are uh, when people are watching. Uh, Angela's actually said, my kids opened up a help to buy ISA. Um, probably the best thing you could do right now as a first time buyer, really. Is, uh, you're, I mean, Neil, is it, it's basically getting money from the government for nothing on top of it, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, just to clarify, the the help to buy ISA has ended, but the yeah. current there is a current scheme called a lifetime ISA that you're a stickler for detail. Eh? Uh, well, you've got to be, you're my job, you got to get the <laughs> you'll have someday. Uh, you'll have someday out there. Go. Wait a minute. Help to buy ISA doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, you can they can still sign up for a lifetime ISA, and as long as you are regularly investing um, the minimum amount into it, then the government would potentially top up on the help to buy ISA so an additional 25%. Yeah. It's usually a minimum amount required in the account to, to qualify for the bonus. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's like you say, money for nothing. The government's yeah. giving you the money on top of what you're already saving. I'm starting to see a number, an increased number of parents who are willing to remortgage their own Fife home. I mean, they actually own it outright. And they're actually getting another mortgage or, or or an advance on on that property in order to get their children up the property ladder. So you know, I kind of think, is we're just fueling this fire even more. You know, the very fact that when you think about it, you put more money into it, what's going to happen is the prices will just continue to go up as a result. So you know, how do we how do we actually resolve it? I mean, whilst the government's trying to turn. Britain's 20 and 30-somethings into a generation, from a generation rent into a generation buy, because, I mean, it is, the 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds actually are quite happily acceptable to rent a property. Um, the, so the government's trying to get them into that mindset of actually buying again, and the bank of mum and dad are mortgaging their retirement to pay for it all, yet it need not be cost prohibitive, borrowing the deposit, as you still have access to, I, I never knew this, you still have access to interest-only mortgages. For some lenders, yeah. Um, obviously, wow. regulation's tighter than it used to be. I was all that. No, there, obviously, post-credit crunch, there was a real crusade against them for a long time. But over the last few years, the, the market's actually started easing in terms of interest only. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't get a 90% interest only mortgage like you used to be able to, but yeah. up to 50%. So if you've got, if you are a parent that's got a couple of hundred thousand equity in the house, you could raise a fairly significant amount with certain lenders um, potentially on interest only. So the monthly repayments would, would be minimal. Yeah. Um, what, what we're talking about round about I mean, an interest rate for an interest only mortgage like that. Um, I mean, roughly. Well, a lot of lenders, there's, they don't actually uh, distinguish between the rate on interest only or repayment. So okay, okay. if you've got a lot of equity in the property, I think we were, again, we were talking last week about rates being, round about the 1% figure for people with a lot of equity, yeah. you could be potentially looking at an interest-only mortgage of around about 1, 1.5%. Wow. Um, so if, which, you had a, if you had a £400,000 property and you were doing a 50% loan to value, you've got 200000 and then multiply that by 0. 0.0125, just say 0. 0.25%. 1. 
um, and divide that by 12, you're only talking about £208 a month. Interest you are. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, there are there's going to be issues with maximum yeah. ages because a lot of them are restricted Absolutely. to maybe 65. So a lot of lenders will want to see some form of uh, interest-only repayment vehicle, whether mm -hmm. that's a pension pot or the, the, the dreaded old uh, endowments are obviously no longer in effect, but yeah. um, there are some who'll do will take downsizing or the equity in the property into account yeah. within certain certain limits. So it varies from lender to lender. There's also equity release, isn't there? You know, I was uh, now a colleague of yours, Willie Shand. Um, yep. You know, I was actually speaking to him recently, and uh, and while I was shying away from that, and I thought that's not really that a good idea because I didn't think that. He, he then he, he, he's turned me around. He's turned yep. around to the fact that wait a minute, equity release is actually a, you can actually work with it as long as you don't build up the 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 interest. You just pay the interest as you go, and and you should be fine. It's just the initial amount that was outstanding in the first place that you're due back. Um, and so it is another method of doing it, isn't it? It's another method for, especially for slightly older people. Um, yeah. And I mean, you don't obviously, generally speaking, there's not meant to be any re repayments, but you can get certain products that will allow slightly well, allow you to do that in certain amounts. Um, so, yeah, James actually so. says that. I mean, often equity in the property is overlooked. I mean, you know, there's, there's, um, we'll talk about that in a wee minute. How much is floating about in equity and property in Fife? But I'll tell you what, it's an astronomical figure. Um, so with interest-only mortgages, your mortgage, uh, your monthly mortgage payment covers the interest of your mortgage, and not the original capital borrowed. That's what we need to point out to people. Um, this means that your mortgage payments will be lower than a repayment mortgage. Remembering though that at the end of the term, you will still be owed the initial amount you borrowed in the first place. Um, that's the key there, isn't it, Neil? It is. Um, yeah. So you've you've got to think ahead and how do you plan to to pay off that debt? In some cases, if you've got a young young child, well, young adult child who is going into a profession and their income is going to be going up significantly over the next yeah. five ten years, they might be able to borrow back the mortgage in their own name and clear off the debt for you. Yeah. Um, but they're also the other thing is remember that for repayment mortgages age limits are probably higher than a lot of people realize even today yeah and does it do up to age 70 based on earned income across the board i get that um, i get that a lot actually i i used to get that a lot and and i still do to a certain degree a lot of people come to me and say i'm too old to get a mortgage now and i'm like are, are you nuts no absolutely mm -hmm. not it's like there, there's some mortgage companies out there that actually give you far more than that um um and and you're Dependent on your age, sometimes they don't even take as as the lenders actually don't even take your age into account. They're, they're quite happy just to lend and and just no, just... not on a not on a residential mortgage. There would still be age limits. Some buy to let okay. lenders don't have a maximum age limit. But I mean, if you look at there are certain lenders even now that if we can evidence potential future pension income and including yeah. state pension, which everyone's going to get in one form or another, then we've got high street lenders that will lend up to age 80 one even 85 that we were talking to last week wow so it, it, it can give you that's that, that a 30 year mortgage for me I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm coming up for 55 so you know i think essentially i could go to them and get another a 30 year term potentially though you've plowed all your money into property so i don't know if you've got a pension or not jim yeah, I don't think I need a pension. <laughs> well, you would do to get a longer mortgage like that, though. <laughs> I don't think that'll. Be, <laughs> I don't think that'll really concern me, does it? No. <laughs> 
one in 14, yeah, one in 14 new, new mortgages are interest only, and one in 5.5 existing mortgages are interest only mortgages. Uh, they are very popular um, to, deg to a degree because they do conserve cash, don't they? Um, Alicia, is this something? Is this something you would consider as a parent um, for your children? If you're, uh, you know, I don't know your position, but if your property was owned outright. Yeah, I, certainly I would consider it. I think that there, you know, there are a couple of things that perhaps hold people back. So that discussion there about interest-only mortgages, the perception of an interest-only mortgage is that you know it, you never actually accrue any equity. You're always just spent. It. So the idea that you're getting your child into the property market is hinged around this idea that actually once you're on that property market you will always be able to gain value from that property and you will be able to climb yeah. the ladder. And there is a perception that um, interest-only mortgages don't do that. So maybe, yeah. Neil, you, is, that, is that the case or is that not the case? To a certain extent, but I would, for what we're talking about, I wouldn't say it's as much an issue because we're talking about people that have already got the equity. So yeah. if you're Super. taking out a 30, 50, 60,000 pound interest-only mortgage on a property that's 200K, and maybe you intended to to sell the property when you retire in 10, 15 years time and clear up and downsize anyway, and it's, it's much less of an issue. Yeah, and then when, you think about, it, when you think about it as well, Alicia, if you've bought a property at 200,000 pounds and it doubles every 10 to 15 years, then if you've got an interest only mortgage at 100,000, okay, you know where I'm going with this, eh? You've got an interest yep. only mortgage at 100,000, you've got 200,000 and it doubles in value, you've added another 200,000 in equity and you've actually still owed 100,000 in the beginning. So so it, it does accrue in value, doesn't it? It does. And as ever, Jim, you're you're looking at things from the side of the parent, but as the pa I'm thinking in the brain of the parent, I'm looking yeah. at things from the side of the child. You know, yeah. and I'm thinking does the does the or does the family member have an interest-only mortgage. So if they are having, if they are taking an interest-only mortgage on the property they're purchasing, then that has its drawbacks in the mind of the parent for that for that offspring. Um, but and, and and likewise, we also have the dilemma as parents of wanting to, and this is why the schools and universities, it's a direct investment into the child. But often, uh, I mean, we call them child, but they're adults by this time. But often, you go into your first first purchase of a home with a partner and I know someone um, quite close in my family who really wanted to help their son buy their first home but they were concerned about the joint purchase of their first home what happens if that relationship breaks down have they effectively then halved that investment does the house sell for 50% to each person and they've yeah. lost 50% of that investment when, when, when you're in love and you're wanting to get a home together, is that really the thing that you think about, though? I think if you're the parent, I think prudent... The first thing I think about is what happened in your split. home. <laughs> well, I guess the message that I would say is that they found a very easy solution, and that was a letter yeah. of agreement. And that's all it took, a letter of agreement that in the event Perfect. of the property being sold, that, that money would revert back to the parents that lent it in the first place. Um, and it was really very simple, but I think it is a, a it is an issue that people have to a little tiny hurdle that people have to just get over in their minds. I know I've heard that. I, 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 to be honest, Alicia, I've heard that story loads and loads of times. You know, families, and it's like what happens if we gift that money and then it ends up disappearing somewhere else. So you're absolutely right. A letter of agreement, and and in order to uh, clarify that position, 
should put the should put the parents or the grandparents at ease. Um, anyway, many Fife homeowners might be worried about having that level of debt in their golden years. However, many plan plan to pay off uh, their mortgage when they downsize into their sixties and seventies. Uh, and I've talked to so many of them uh, who are asset rich, but they're actually cash poor. And the desire to help their children at the Fife property ladder, their attitude is their children will inherit the property when they pass. So it seems practical to give them the money to work uh, the money to work harder for them earlier in their life when they need it to buy their first home. I, I learned this lesson straight away. Um, and I've learned it from my parents, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I'm going to call them out for that. Because <laughs> the reality is, um, they always said to me, oh, you're going to get all this when we go. And I'm like, uh, by the time you go, I'm not going to need it anymore. Because <laughs> I've, I've, I've got my own stuff. So I've learned that in the beginning. So I did sell some of my property in order to provide for my daughter for her first home. Um, and, I, and I put £40,000 towards it. Um, and she actually nicely said to me, um, I'll give you it back. And I went, nah, sorry, you'll get it anyway when I die. <laughs> Don't bother. <laughs> um, but but effectively, it, it's. I feel that for me personally, that's the way I took it. Because it's like you're better to give them it now when they really need it to help them on that ladder and help them in that process. Plus the fact that it compounds in wealth for them as well um, over, a, over a period of time. Um, and, and that's who I think of it. It's, it's something for them to keep for their for their future, and hopefully they'll do the same thing for their children, um, and and to get that sort of get that sort of flowing within our within our family and our, our so people absolutely help, you're growing wealth, growing wealth for within the family. I think that's a, a really good way to look at it. Got a wee confession actually, Jim. My mum came in fifty percent with me in my first property. Otherwise, yeah. you know, as a self-employed person for whom it's always a little bit trickier to to get uh financial uh, agreements um I, I don't know when i'd have got on the property ladder but she came in 50 percent, yeah. and she um you know raised money in a in a similar way and it, you know i think maybe she just wanted me out of the house which is another good reason to, <laughs> to help your kids but um but certainly it paid off for both of us that's a uh, quite an interesting comment you said there she just wanted to get you out of the house because <laughs> i've <laughs> I've actually had a lot of people approach me with that as well. It's like I just, I'm, I'm no caring what I get them, as long as I can get them somewhere else. <laughs> and and as as literally because because they need their own space, you know that's what it comes down to. So, um, uh, one of the questions I usually get asked a lot, um, you know, is um, can I actually get a mortgage even if I'm retired? And you touched on it in the beginning. Yeah, so from residential mortgage, um, repayment mortgage, certainly we can get lenders will do up to 80, 85, some of them, as long as yeah. we can prove either current or pension income. And if that pension income is sufficient to support the mortgage, then yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's not a problem anymore. So it's it's as long as it's, it is age dependent, though, isn't it? And it's still. Yeah, there will be in a financial position, age dependent. Of course, and, yeah. Yeah, and mortgage companies have to see whether you have the adequate funds for the retirement and emergencies plus yeah. leave. Do they still bring in this um, um, uh, this risk analysis where they, they, they do on like 5% in case anything? Yeah, the stress testing as we call it, but yeah, because obviously... That's the word, with, stress yeah. testing, yeah. With, with rates being as low as they are, 
they don't want to make the same mistakes that were made during the credit crunch. The rates start climbing, and all of a sudden, these people that they've lent money to can't afford the mortgages anymore. So yeah. it's, it's a legal requirement that it has to go on in the background. But that, but if you come to a mortgage broker and I with your pension income, and I say based on that, Halifax, because I've had people that say I can I can maybe only get a mortgage of twenty thousand pounds, and I've said, well, actually, I can get your mortgage sixty five. Yep. And they think, oh my god, how? Um, it's because there are lenders that will take that and that's building in the stress testing calculations because we can go up to age 80. Yeah, because a lot of the times, uh, you know, it, it is, if you don't ask the question, it's sometimes the computer says no and you yeah. don't realise that it's actually because there's, there's certain information you've not given. I, I did it recently. Um, I had a two or three um, term loans um, which actually affected uh, further advance I got on my stuff that I've got just now and they were they said immediately to me that you can only get this amount. And then it says, but if you actually get rid of the term loans and roll them into this loan, um, we can give you this amount, which is far bigger. And I'm thinking, how did that work? Because it was because it was to do something to do with the monthly payments I was doing on the other loans. They were often yeah. were very high in consideration. So they had to take that into account in terms of their cash flow projections. Therefore, if I was able to roll it all into the one, they would actually be able to give me significantly more as a result because it was spread over a longer period of time. Yeah. I mean, I had a similar case with a client years ago. I'd spoken to a, another broker um, and well, actually I think it was a, a mortgage advisor linked to the legal firm that they were dealing with. And they yeah. were told that given his, for example, well, £15,000 deposit, I'm making these numbers up, but he could borrow £100,000. Yeah. And I said, well, if you actually take, you put down half the deposit, use the other half to clear off your debt, I can get your mortgage of one hundred twenty-five. And two months later, he was in his house. So, so it, really, it, it really pays to speak to someone in the know. Yeah. yeah. Alicia. Exactly. No, it's, I was just exactly going to say that, Jim. You know, you're a man who really knows your figures and that you gave us that example of where you thought you knew what was what and you discovered yeah. that actually you could achieve a lot more. And I think it doesn't really matter how well read you are unless you are actually in that business. Uh, a mortgage yeah. advisor is always worth their weight in gold for that because they will always find a way for you to achieve your dreams. I'm always about asking the questions to get a better answer. And and really that's that's what it's down to. And and, and probing everything to the nth degree to see if I can get the, the answer I really want or see if I can get a significant better result as, as to what I, what I thought could be achievable based on what but it's the old it's the old question if you if you don't ask you don't get and um, that's really what it comes down to um it, so it does beg the question though is there enough equity in five homes to actually borrow i mean in the late 80s and again in the early 2000s many brits saw their homes as a cash machine oh geez i remember that <laughs> it was like further advances for things like holidays <laughs> new cars um, Northern Rock, remember that 125%. I remember actually sitting in front of um, a mortgage a mortgage broker, um, and he pitched me the 125%. I maybe told this before, but other people maybe don't. <laughs> never never heard this story, and he said I can give you 100 125% of the the value of your house as a loan, and I'm like really, and Northern Rock's clearly not here anymore because of that. Um, and I said, so what I'm going to do with that 25%? He went, well, you could buy a new car or go on a holiday. <laughs> Never said anything about home improvements. It was just like, yeah, hey, just just spend it on anything you want. It's like, and to me, that's just like, you might as well just throw it in the fire. It's gone um, after that. So 
I think that's what they did in the early 1980s uh, and again in the early 2000s. And, and that's where we've seen a lot of um, uh, borrowing. And it created negative negative equity as a result uh, in the 90s and stopped homeowners moving between 2009 and 2013 um, because of the lack of equity, because of the credit crunch. Therefore, you have to ask then, have we borrowed too much this time round? And, and you know, is, is that... Is that a reality? Are we borrowing far too much? I think there are still quite a number of people who are doing exactly that. It's a difficult question to answer, isn't it? I mean, you know, I I think we I think we borrow far too much as a nation. I I agree. Yeah, I think there are a lot a lot of people I know are doing exactly that still. Yeah, you know, every few years when they renew their mortgage. They increase, they remortgage effectively, um, and take the the accrued value out in order to fund or to pay off their credit card debt. I think that's quite a common scenario still. Yeah, Aye. And and but I I'm still a big fan though. Borrow if you're going to make more money. So oh, yeah. to me, there's there's good debt and there's bad debt. The just thing, the exact thing you explained just now, Alicia, is bad debt. Um, the debt I talk about is you borrow a further advance to invest in more property, which makes you more money. Um, and to me, that's that's a good position to be in because that's effectively what most businesses do. They borrow from banks in order to invest in plant machinery to manufacture goods to make more money, um, ultimately, at the end of the day. Um, looking at So look at Fife. Uh, we've got KY1 to KY16 as the postcode area combined, uh, DD6. I think it's DD66, um, which is Wormit and Newport. That's just, and that's in Fife as well. Um, I've always wondered why it's in the in the Dundee, <laughs> why Newport and Wormit is, is part of Dundee, um, and yet it's actually in, in Fife itself, but that's another story. If anybody could actually tell me that, that'd be actually fantastic. And in 2016, the average Fife homeowner had a mortgage of £61,633. And yet today, that's £64,913, a rise of 3280 So looking at these numbers, one might actually think we are we're again overextending ourselves. Yet as regular readers to my blog and vlogs and the Fife property market will know, if you drill down into these figures, it, it kind of looks a wee bit different. Um, would you have expected that to be about £64,000, £65,000 average home um, mortgage, Neil? Uh like you say it's hard to tell because i mean obviously i'm a lot of the time dealing with new people trying to get on the market where there's very yeah. little equity and people struggling with deposits so you see the big amounts yeah so but then there are a lot of older stone-built properties in even towns like cooper and obviously st andrews that have been been known for a number of years yeah. that have built up huge amounts of equity so it's just like is this like the old parable about the guy that went to the, the the two boys, the two salesmen, uh, went to the, the different country and the, the, none of them wore shoes. They were both shoe salesmen. One came back from the from the country and said, nobody wears shoes, there's no market for them. And the other one came back, went, your beauty, nobody wears shoes, we can sell them all. <laughs> <laughs> so when you see 64,000 or 65,000 on average mortgage, do you actually think to yourself, wait a minute, there's a load of equity out there to be released and there's a load of product to sell? Or, or is that completely irresponsible of me? I'm going to say nothing. <laughs> I think it's the latter, isn't it? <laughs> to a certain extent. Like you say, as long as it's for a, a good purpose, then it's not quite so bad. 
I know. Um, I, I'm looking at these numbers, one might think that we're overextending ourselves, as I said. Um, initially, I was worried about the stats until you consider the equity in five people have amassed over the same five years. Think about this. Over the last five years, the equity has been amassed. Now, remember what I just said to you, that in the last five years, property prices have gone up 18.9%. So when you think about that rise of £3,000, how much has average price uh, an average five property gone up? When you go back to that, it's risen in the last five years by almost £30,000. So in the context of things, it would actually look it would actually look to make more sense. So in 2016, let's look at that example. The average equity held by a five homeowner on the property whilst having whilst still having the mortgage was 103,672. And yet, as I said, it stands at now, that's the 30,000 extra, at 1,131,579, a rise of 27, 28,000 pounds. That's a huge amount, eh, when you think about it. So again, we're coming back to saying, even though mortgages have increased, five homeowners' equities have risen even more, meaning as today we stand mortgaged and outright owned properties. Here we go. Here's this figure, and the equity in every single five home is twenty, almost $28 billion. $28 billion. I couldn't even comprehend what that figure is. It, it just sounds good. But, but yeah. in reality, you know, I kind of think, how many... How many big marks would that get you? <laughs> Twenty-eight billion. <laughs> so, I think 20, uh, total random fact. I think twenty-seven billion was the entire GDP of the country of Cambodia last year. There you go. Random fact for the day. Wow. So the whole of Fife has the GDP of that place in in their homes right now. Yep. That's a whole country. I, I mean, Whole country. So, but then again, we come back to saying uh, uh, that money's just sitting doing nothing, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, you, we quite often get clients that come to us looking, sometimes looking even to buy a holiday home or invest in buy to lets if you refer them to yeah. us if they want to get into that, help the kids like we're talking about doing. And if they've been in the home for a while, I mean, the, the average earning or salary in five probably is relatively low compared to other parts yeah. of Scotland. So they're asset rich, but capital poor. Yeah. So, and the, and the way to, to access that, those assets is, is to borrow against them. And the other thing we've got to, you, you'll, you throw into that mix, compare this to what happened in the eighties and nineties is the interest rates are so low right now. Yeah. The it's, it's literally the cheapest way to borrow money is it's on a mortgage of some sort. Yeah. And even if rates do go up, like we were predicting last week, even if they go back up to where they were pre-credit crunch, is which, which is what we were talking about, that it, before credit crunch, they were still historically low levels of interest rates. Yeah. So it's the, the, the assets are there, but then the only way to tap into it is, is by borrowing against it. Pre-credit crunch uh, was sitting probably around about maybe 6 6% thereabouts. Um, yeah, I think the base rate was around about five and a half, six, and we were talking product rates of about 7.5%. Yeah, rightly. And we're stress testing probably about five. Is that five? Well, very on le from lender to lender, but yeah, probably about five, five and yeah. a half. Yeah, so we're, 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 we're being quite prudent in the way we're doing things as, as homeowners. Alicia, you want to jump in on something? Oh, no, I'm just sort of thinking that, you know, as 
it seems to me that what you're saying is that if you have a close family circle, yeah, it makes very good sense to create a virtuous financial circle. So you have built up the equity in one home, you release that to purchase another home on, that your offspring live in. They then, yep. that property accrues in value and you release that in order to invest some more. And it's quite possible, as I said, to create this virtuous circle of wealth creation. Mm -hmm. within this is the all family. about trust, isn't it? Yeah. This yeah. is all about trust, really. That's it's what absolutely about it. trust. Or yeah. letters of comfort. And, and it's also, and that's, that's, also that's about getting point. the right advice to make sure you're doing it in the right way. It's like if you yeah. if you've got that situation, you've got the mum and dad's home, no more, no debt on it, you've got the young people buying. How much do you want to be taking out of your property and how big a mortgage do you want to be taking on the purchase property? Purchase yeah. one, you were going back to the point you made earlier, Alicia, I would always be saying that there needs to be a repayment mortgage. It's going yeah. in a kid's name. It's I was going just to be about to ask 30, you that. That's the best way to do it. Remortgage. What I would say is how much do you want to take out? Depends on the parent's circumstances, but I would say the ideal figure would probably be enough for a 25% deposit plus costs. Mm -hmm. What's that going to do is it's going to minimize the borrowing on the mom and dad's house while providing a healthy deposit to get some of the best possible interest rates for the kids. So it's yeah. kind of giving you the best of both worlds. It's a bit, a bit about balance. Yeah, you could do 5%, you could do 90, but then you're talking higher interest rates for the kids. So they could pay a little bit more money towards your mortgage to offset the difference that they would have been paying on a higher interest rate against their own. So again, it's about advice. Yeah, I mean, we can be seen quite clearly from the, the financial insecurity sparked by the credit crunch in 2008, 2009, the, the it, it, it created a generation of five homeowners and landlords who were savers and improvers rather than movers and excessive borrowers um, using excess cash to invest in their property and pay down debt um, um, to excess, rather than to excessively borrow on, and, 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 and go that way. Um, and only 13.1% of the total value of five property is, is borrowed money with a mortgage. You know, that's actually quite startling as well. Um, so a lot of people out there have actually completely paid off their mortgage. Um so there, there, there is huge scope for uh, people out there that are struggling, that need to have kids' university fees, that need to do some, uh, need to invest in the future of their children, maybe their grandchildren, and they don't know what to do or they don't know how to do it. But this is maybe a really good way to do that, um, and actually, and and actually do it on a on a more cost effective basis rather than actually having. Well, classic example is I sell the house and downsize and then help my kids. Um, it's like, but you know, you don't need to. Do you need to go to that extreme? That's probably my question. I would ask somebody out there: Would they need to really go to that extreme of downsizing in order to do that? Um, if they have nowhere else to go as a result, just to just to release that equity to help them. So maybe maybe this is the right course of action to take and and the process. But again, it's what you say, Neil. It's down to individual preferences, but also circumstances which you can you can gauge at that time. Exactly. And and if you are in a position that you've got enough equity to take on an interest-only mortgage and you're planning to downsize in the future, well, you're getting cheap money to give you an extra five, ten years in your house before you then have to downsize. And at that point, the mortgage is going to be cleared anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's great news for every five homeowner and five landlord because irrespective of whether the post-lockdown bounce is short-lived or not, um, 
it shows the five property market is in a better state to ride out the storm and it might encounter than ever before because less people will be in negative equity and uh, the probability of um, um, prohibitive of high mortgages as a result. So that's probably a really key figure in the fact that we're not in this huge financial position um, um, exposure, if, if you want to use a, a word, um, than we were in the credit crunch, where a lot of money was in, a lot of borrowing was on property. So therefore, when there was a crash, it did affect the, the liquidity of the banks. Um, and then you, as you rightly said, Neil, the stress testing as well has ensured that that's, there's another measure in there. Um, and, and, and does the banks have stress testing over and above the mortgages as well? Well, they have their own safeguards in the background as well. I think I m mentioned this last week, actually, that if you're a customer, you have to now have a certain amount of money in reserve in the background. So it's one yeah. of the things that was introduced post-credit crunch. And the higher the risk on the mortgage, so a 90 95% mortgage, you need to have more money in the background as a reserve just in case the mortgage does go bad. Yeah. Um, and it's it was one of the reasons why it took so long for... 90 and 95% mortgages to come back after the credit crunch because the banks were still trying to build up the size of reserves. Mm -hmm. um, and they were, they were encouraging people to, they were happy to keep mortgage customers that had 60, 70% mortgages in the properties, but they were telling people on 90, 95% mortgages that will waive the early repayment charge if you can pay off your mortgage early. Because yeah. they had to, they had to reduce that level of um, high equity lending on their book. Yeah, I, 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 did, I, I heard that at the time and I did get a couple of companies come to me and say, you know, we'll, we'll do that way as well. But I didn't. It wasn't it wasn't something I really wanted to do. Uh, so final thoughts on this, Alicia, um, you know, just to wrap up, what's your what's your thoughts on this? Is it, a, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it something you need more information on? You know, what's your thoughts on it? I think when people start to investigate it, they will find that it's not nearly as daunting or as risky as they might think you know so that it's it, i would say it's definitely up there with something as important as university education home security is is also yeah. just as important mm -hmm. neil yeah in terms of the practicalities and the cost it's the cheapest way to do it um obviously you, you do have your own interests that have to be looked after. So you would obviously need to get independent legal advice. You, is there tax implications, that kind of thing. But speaking of tax, you're talking about mum and dad giving the money early in lieu of an inheritance. That can, for well-to-do clients, that could actually offset potential inheritance tax as well in the future. So there's another right, potential okay. benefit there for um, people with really expensive properties. Um, but yeah, it's 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 easy. Let's say easy. It's a uh, it's much easier than people possibly think. There are maybe less drawbacks than people think. Obviously, yeah. you're borrowing money that's secure getting to property. There's always a risk. You could lose your home if that debt isn't paid. But it's definitely a very good way to to help out your family in a very cost effective method. As long as you get the balance right between where the debt is and what the interest yeah. rates are going to be. And you have a good plan in your mind about where you're going to be in five, ten years, and what does that mean for getting your that this mortgage cleared off? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a lot to do with fear, and and it's the it's everybody thinks about what what might happen, and, and there's always an assumption of I, I think when you this is from an older person, <laughs> when you get older, you begin to 
you begin to look at things as scarcity. So therefore, you actually look at your money and think, I've paid off on my mortgage. I, I don't want to do anything else. I'm terrified I'll lose it. Um, and that becomes your whole focus. But what you don't realize is all you're doing is taking a part of your property uh, or your equity and putting it into another part of your equity. And Alicia, as you said, you've got you've got a, a, a letter of comfort or whatever it is, an agreement in writing legally to say that that is your proportion of that share. So you're still protected. All you're doing really is paying the financial um, uh, obligation to actually do that, which is interest only, interest only payment, um, which we deduced on a hundred thousand is around about what, a couple of hundred quid a month or something like that if the interest rate's right. So, you know, that's probably the first start you can give. So I think, to me, your your money's protected because it's in another asset. Because if at the end of the day, if the other asset's going to go down, yours is going to go down as well because you're both in the same properties, um, more or less. It, it, you know, property goes up and down at the same value, more or less, depending um, what time of year or when, when the season is or whatever it is. So it'll be, it's horses for courses, really, where you put it. It's using it for a good use. That's all it comes down to. Um, to, to five parents out there and grandparents and all the rest of it, don't, you know, just because you think uh, your children are talking about this, um, they're actually thinking about it because <laughs> it, it will help them in some sort of degree. So the lead really has to come from you as a as a parent uh, to ensure that the wealth held in your bricks and mortar can be used for your family's advantage when they need it the most. And I come back to tell them my own story, which is, you know, my mum and dad, it's like, you know, I don't want them to go, <laughs> but at some point, they say, well, when we finally go, but I say, well, when you finally go, it's too late. I don't need the money anymore. Um, you know, you should have given it when I needed it or helped me when I needed it, and that would have been the best thing for me. Um, so that's the only thing I can go on to advise other people how, you know, to help your children. Um, if you do, your children will thank you for it, and they may even do exactly the same for their children. That's the key here, to establish this sort of process where your family, you help your children, your children help their children and their children help their children and everybody gets into this mindset. And it's what you said, Alicia, what is it? Wealth, wealth creation within the family. I don't know if you put it more eloquently. Yeah. I think I, I think I used the term a virtuous circle within the family yeah, circle. Yeah, the family circle and everybody helping everybody else in that in that thing. And but also making sure that you're protected legally in case there's any any dubiety about obviously where that money has gone or what's going to happen to it if anything happens in the future. It, it's creating a legacy for generations that will go on. And, and you know, I don't know if anybody out there really wants to put their stamp with their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren in years to come, you know, you want them to look all the way forward and think to yourself, and five generations down, they're going to look back and they're going to say, grandmother or grandfather or mum or dad or whoever it was was the person that made all this happen for us um, it's amazing and that to me is what you always want to be remembered for and we'll end it on that note thanks for coming on the show guys really appreciate that um, if anybody's watching this in rerun please feel free to comment message we could do anything for you neil is there to give you advice so from cara mortgages uh, you can message us here on there and we can give you his contact details more than happy to do that um, Neil, you can give your contact details right now. Do you want to say something about your email address and stuff like that? Well, email's quite easy. Neil B, so N-E-I-L-B, at cara, C-A-R-A-M-S dot co uk. Perfect. And everybody knows who we are, hopefully. <laughs> and until next time, guys, bye-bye for now. Bye.